I have just launched a mastermind called The Circle of Influence, where I'll be taking you under my wing to show you how to build a platform online that generates an income for you so you can have more freedom in your life. I'm also gonna show you how to become a powerful influencer online so that you can score interviews and so you can get exposure on major publications and platforms. And I'm gonna even show you how to build these platforms yourself, such as a website, a podcast, a YouTube channel, and a social media following so that you can get your message out there to millions. I'm also going to show you how to network with other incredible leaders online so that you can interview them and so that you can collaborate with them and really show you how to refine your story so you can share it in an unforgettable way to score more interviews, to score book deals, and to gain more speaking opportunities so that you can become a powerhouse leader. Now, if this speaks to you, make sure you head over to IamJoelBrown.com slash apply and get in before I close my doors on this live interactive exclusive opportunity where I'm gonna go deep with you and with the community of Circle of Influence Game Changers. Don't miss this. Now let's get into this interview. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Addicted to Success podcast. I'm your host, Joel Brown, and I'm here today in beautiful Bali, Indonesia with the man of the hour, Cameron Foose. What's up, bro? Welcome to the podcast, yeah. bro. I love doing these live, live interviews. You know, I often do interviews over like Zoom calls or Skype calls. And it's just cool to be able to sit here in this energy and actually yeah, yeah. And see you face to face. And also, I'm so excited to jump into finding out more about what you've done with your brand, Iconic. Yeah. I know that you're a day trader. You're teaching day trading. Now you're stepping up and really teaching thousands and thousands of entrepreneurs around the world how to build really successful online courses and how to really live a freedom lifestyle from what you love most. So let's uh, dive into this, man. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it started out when I was young, obviously, with the goal of I just want to be rich. It's kind of like what your goals and dreams are. It's not like you are 17 and 18 years old thinking like, I want to be really happy. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, like Money's the motivation. Yeah. It's always money uh, in the beginning. And so when I was um, about 20, and I, I was going to school to become a stockbroker. That's what I wanted to be when right. I graduated. I was like, all right, I'm going to go into corporate America, become a stockbroker. Like, why, why was that? Why was that? Uh, I think, like, so one of our family friends was a, uh, a stockbroker. My best friend's dad growing up was a stockbroker. Okay. He had a sick BMW. He'd always, like, come home from work in, like, this long pea coat and just, like, BMW looked super slick. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, and it's something about uh, the stock market fascinated me because it seemed like a game right. more so than a job. Yeah. And so that was kind of just like always kind of sparked my interest. And I was like, this is so weird. You can, you just like play this game and you can make money and it can be a career. Yeah. And so that was kind of like my motivation. One, because it didn't seem like a job. And two, mostly just because you watch movies, you're like, oh, finance, stock market, that's where you're going to get rich. Uh, and so that was my number one motivation for getting into it. In the beginning, it was, you know, I was completely addicted, just like a gambling addiction, you could say. Were you addicted to success? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> I was, though. And yeah. so I... I was addicted to day trading and it was super exhilarating and it's definitely a fun and exciting career, but you can also lose your money very easily. And I didn't make money for my first three years as a day trader and I kept blowing my account up. And what a lot of people don't know is that 
a lot of people think that we like what we teach is technical analysis, which is basically understanding price movements based off of the historical price movements of a stock and being able to potentially not predict, but give yourself some some sort of an idea of and a forecast of what might happen in the future using these different patterns. The thing is, learning those patterns is easy. It's like memorizing flashcards. The difficult part is understanding is that trading is about 90% psychology and about 10% just knowing what the pattern looks like. And so that was kind of where I had barriers to becoming successful in my first three years is that I was focusing on looking back at the charts like, why isn't this working? When really it was just me up here swinging for the fence on one stupid trade or not understanding risk management um, and all that stuff. But eventually I started having some success. And in 2008 or in 2006, I started a blog basically documenting this journey of me as a day trader while I was still in college. And so I basically kind of just started building authority in that space, just writing for a company called Seeking Alpha, which is a little bit less popular now, but at the time, back in 2006, if if you were writing for Seeking Alpha, that was kind of a big deal. And at the time, I was like a sophomore in college, just this drunk party animal college kid that from the outside didn't look like I would be anybody interested in the stock market. But most of my days, I wasn't going to class anymore. I was just writing articles, studying the stock market, learning everything I could. And so... In 2008, uh, right before the stock market crashed, I launched my business, made about $30,000 that month just from launching after basically building a reputation in this space. And I started making money and showing that on my blog and just like just being authentic and what I was learning. Like I call this the relatable like beginner, someone who's documenting their journey, not someone that has necessarily academic uh, credentials or a big producer of results but someone who's documenting their journey along the way. And just by doing that, I was able to build an audience over the course of two years. And then this launch, without any social media, just a blog, I was able to produce 30000 that month. Uh, but this was months before the, uh, the stock market crash. And once that happened, it was like just complete chaos. I had to completely like rewrite my whole entire trading strategy uh, my company almost went under. I almost blew up my account for the fourth time. And then after that was really when I started to focus and learn more about day trading, which is basically making money when stocks go up and down rapidly within the first five minutes to 90 minutes. Yeah. But the thing is, is that the longer I stayed in this game of day trading, the more and more I realized that it was all just for financial motivation. And once you start making money, it becomes more, more and more emotionless. The reward, the extrinsic reward of making money, you're like, okay, I've done this before. This doesn't mean anything to me. And so, and there was no intrinsic reward, rewards behind doing this anymore. So once, if you, when you start with a why of money, like I did, you will make money and it will be exciting. You'll start buying fucking Maserati's boats, Rolexes, whatever, all the shit that I bought once I started having success. But once that, that emotional side of those extrinsic rewards runs out. And if there's no intrinsic reward or passion behind what you're doing for your career, you have this really big sense of emptiness and nothingness in your soul. And that's kind of where I felt probably, you know, beginning like six years ago. Yeah. And I just announced my retirement from day trading uh, like two weeks ago. And it was like the biggest weight off my Congratulations. shoulders. Congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> fucking, that's feels great. amazing. And so, uh, 
you know, and it, it sucks to be stuck in that situation. I know a lot of people who are probably watching this right now are either stuck in either a career or a job or a relationship, something where they're stuck. Yeah. And they're in this comfort zone and they don't know how to get out of that because making a transition is hard. And sometimes yeah. it takes a long time. For me, it took almost six years to do this, to finally retire. Because even though I made a bunch of money, at the end of the day, I wasn't happy at all. In the beginning, it was like, wow, this is really fucking cool. I just made $70,000 in a month day trading and then I made $100,000 that month selling my digital product on how I did that. Yeah. So while that was fun, again, once the money becomes emotionless and you don't have any passion behind your career, you just feel empty. It's life isn't fun that way. Yeah. And so that's kind of why I uh, basically announced my retirement from day trading because I was no longer happy doing it. Right. And it doesn't mean that people can't get into that game and be happy. I just think you have to look at it as how can you leverage the freedom and the income that you can create to find what you're really passionate about. And that's kind of where I've led to launching the new company that I'm trying to uh, finish now. We're not quite there yet, but I've been working on it for the last six to 12 months, um, which is basically because a lot of what I've done is throughout this career of day trading, not only day trade, but I've been running a company on how to leverage a skill set and sell it in an online course. And I've been doing that since 2008. So I've been in this game of selling digital products and services for a long, long time. And so now I'm just going to help people that have skill sets actually learn how to do that with their skill sets and turn that into an online company because university is becoming less and less prevalent, less and less, you know, just something that people even want to do, nor you can spend four years, 200 to $300,000 at a university and you're left with what? Nothing. It's expensive for what it is. Yeah. Sure. You're left with uncertainty and you're left without a plan. Yeah. So a lot of people who are selling some sort of a course, even though it might seem saturated because there are a lot of scammers out there that are selling just whatever, any what, any what have you course. One, it takes way less time, costs way less. And typically, once you're done with that course, you have a plan because that's what a course is for, giving you a plan. College doesn't give you a plan. Yeah. They give you a degree and they're like, best of luck. luck. <laughs> right? And so yeah. it's interesting to uh, yeah. see where the world is going. For sure, for sure. So let's say one of our listeners that's watching this right now or listening to this right now has a skill set. Yeah. Where do they start, man? Where do they go? What do they do? How do they do this in the right way instead of running in circles like so many people are? Do you have a framework or a structure or anything like that when it comes to creating online courses and marketing them? Yeah, I think that's one of the biggest problems all everybody faces. One thing is they ask, where do I start? And once you start steamrolling that question over and over again, what happens? You never start. So it really just boils down to getting started. But where do you start? Where is the easiest place to learn how to start or where should you promote your content? A lot of people I think would think they should go to Instagram first, which there is a lot of attention. Instagram is the only app that I use where I'm constantly scrolling through every 10 minutes where I'm like, huh, Instagram, who's liking my photo? What content's out? Yeah, the problem is that Instagram is very difficult to build, especially now with the new algorithm updates, it's no longer timeline chronological. The number one place that if you wanna learn something or grow your business and get your name out there is YouTube because YouTube is the number two search engine in the world and it's if you build it correctly, people will come because you can specifically create content 
And if you understand the algorithm and understand SEO behind YouTube, then you can create content specifically designed for what people are actually searching for. So if people are searching for you and you know how to structure your video, tell proper stories, understand the algorithm in SEO, you can potentially get ranked. If you start creating content on Instagram, nobody's gonna find you. People don't, if they're searching for something, it's very unlikely that they're gonna find you unless you're collaborating with big people out there, unless somehow you hit the algorithm and, and get the explore page, which is extremely difficult to do. So YouTube is definitely the number one place to be if you wanna start any sort of brand, no matter if you're big or small or just getting started. It's, I think YouTube is definitely the number one platform to be on. Yeah, nice. So this is actually an interesting question because I get it so often. How do we price? How do we value our work and then know yeah. what price points we should be offering in the marketplace? I think it depends on the length of your course that you're doing. Like, so if you're doing like what I teach is how to leverage automated webinars so that you can spend more of your time creating systems and delivering value to your customers as opposed to spending all your time trying to be a salesman, yeah. right? And so utilizing automated webinars is the easiest place to do that so you can actually scale your business without having to spend a bunch of overhead costs on a sales team, without having to you know, spend a bunch of your time answering emails all day or doing a live webinar once a week or even twice a week or once a day as opposed to just creating one amazing sales presentation and anytime anybody asks you, hey, what do you do or what do you offer? Be like, guess what, I have an absolutely free training I'm gonna teach you exactly what my platform is and how it can help you get from your undesired situation to your desired situation. So that's basically kind of what I teach is automated webinars uh, as far as the conversion process. Okay, cool. And so you've obviously worked out what the value of that is over time and then you know anything that you're offering that was the the back end. Yeah. Yeah, I was oh. like, that's the <laughs> <pricing> question. <laughs> no, it's just good because it's given me some great context and what we could dive yeah. deeper into. And, uh, you know, it's it's really interesting. I know when I've created courses, it, it's like I've had to stretch my mind. And when you do stretch your mind to a certain capacity, you realize like, wow, I was charging way less than what this is actually worth because yeah. you, you start to see the results it gets if you, you know, a good expert in your space. And the whole money mindset thing that holds so many people back, like either people are overpricing and under-delivering yeah. or they're underpricing and they're over-delivering and they're they're like kicking themselves because they haven't valued it enough. And I know that when I've launched programs where I've done super low price point, they tend to be like a $37, $47 a month customer could be the biggest pain in the ass. And I've yeah. got a $4,000 member in my mastermind. That's, that's gravy, man. They're, they're yeah. there, they're showing up. They, you know, they're not being a victim. They're jumping in and, and they're volleying with you and they're getting results. Yeah. Well, the thing is, the cheaper you charge for your product, the less commitment that customer is going to give to the program. Yeah. They're also probably gonna be less valuable of a customer for you, and they're gonna be more of a pain in the ass because they're now having a lot of commitment. The more skin they have in the game, the more dedicated they're gonna be, and probably the more better chance of a success story that they're gonna be. But as far as like, if you wanna do an automated webinar, as far as statistic goes, then probably the max price you can charge is about $2,000 for your program if you want to automate the entire conversion process. If you want to do anything over that and that, it's probably going to require someone to get on the phone and actually do a sales phone call. And for, so anywhere between 500 to $2,000 for automation. 
Before there we go, on. man. We got into it. I like it. Yeah. There we go. We're digging. <laughs> this is good. No, I'm, what I'm doing in this interview too is we could talk surface level and say this is what it is, this and that. But I like that we're dig- digging even deeper into technical and then even the money because a lot of people avoid this conversation. Yeah. So I like that you're sharing this, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, for sure. Um, how much would you typically spend on a webinar to be able to get the kind of viewers that you get? Like, can you break it down on what, what someone should expect if they're putting some money into a webinar? What, how much do they spend on Facebook? Uh, I mean, we've actually never done a whole lot of Facebook advertising dives directly towards like a single webinar. Okay. But it really depends because like we are having this conversation before, a lot of times if you are working with an agency, typically what happens is they'll, they'll, they'll bring you on board and say, you got an amazing offer. We can really scale this up for you. And so, like, cause I've never done personal Facebook ads where I go, oh, I'm gonna go write, create some Facebook ads and spend some money and see what happens. Cause I've always been organic on YouTube and Instagram. Right. So we've hired agencies out to try to do this for us. And what's typically happened is they say, we need one to three months to gather the data to figure things out. And typically what happens in those one to three months is they go after the social media following that you currently have and they create retargeting ads based on anybody who's engaged in any of your social media content. So this is what they would call low-hanging fruit. And they will produce results off of these retargeted followers. And so that's typically their kind of hook to get you on to be like, look how good we're doing. We're doing good because you already created these leads and now we turn them into sales. But once they diminish those, um, that lead base, a lot of times they have to move to cold traffic and that's where you eventually fire them. I'm sure a lot of people who have ever dealt with an agency before have dealt with the same situation. I've gone through plenty of agencies that have made those promises and then once we get rid of all the low-hanging fruit that I have created that they've tried to now retarget, as soon as you move to cold traffic, it's dead. And so it's a, Facebook ads is a difficult game, but you can make a lot of money. So we've seen, you know, sometimes when you're retargeting, which is why it's very important to be big on YouTube, big on Instagram, because the more organic reach you're creating, the more you can leverage content or, or uh, Facebook ads because you can now retarget that warm audience as opposed to just re- relying solely with people who don't focus on an organic strategy and they go straight to cold. They're going to have a very difficult time converting anybody. But if you do have an organic plan, which is like what I teach my program, which is how to grow on YouTube and Instagram, the more leverage you have there, it's a lot easier to get that low-hanging fruit consistently with retargeting Facebook ads as opposed to just going straight for cold audience because you don't have an organic following yeah. on Facebook. Solid advice, man. Solid yeah. advice. I, when I look at your Instagram account, it looks beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like it seriously does. Visually, the aesthetics are really nice. What's your vision? Like when you, when you think about yourself as a personal brand and what you're creating, what are you thinking, man? What's your, how does your mind tick when it comes to creation? Uh, a lot of it is based around design, aesthetically pleasing. So I try to do that as much as possible. And it's, it's difficult because we're, we're, me- we're mixing up different uh, YouTube thumbnails right now, which when you look at, thumbnails is probably the most important thing you can do for your YouTube channel. Because it's just like, if it's the first thing that people see. And the first thing that YouTube picks up on the algorithm is your click-through rate. And that's if people look at your thumbnail, they're like, hmm, click. So that's the first thing that the algorithm sees. So if you don't create an amazing thumbnail or some sort of almost clickbait-ish, which I don't want to do either, 
nobody's gonna watch it for one, and if nobody clicks on it, it's never gonna get a chance to be put in the algorithm and be put into suggested videos. So it's hard because I want my brand to be very aesthetically pleasing, very clean, very minimalistic and modern, but you look at what works on YouTube and it's all these flashy like, uh, yeah. <laughs> like these fucking, just kind of retarded uh, YouTube thumbnails. And so we're kind of mixing that up. But as far as like Instagram, I think has always been kind of a design based, visually aesthetically pleasing uh, platform. So I try to keep my Instagram, you know, more aesthetically pleasing. Obviously I have Norbert who's with me full time who takes all my photos. Then I take those photos and put them in the editing process and do all my editing behind there. So uh, yeah, I mean really just, I like to be clean. I like it to be minimal and really when people see it, they're like, that's good design work. Cause I think that's one of the first thing people sees is design and that's what they, you know, judge a book by its cover right off the bat before you might have amazing content as well. So uh, yeah, I really focus on design. Yeah, it's sleek. Yeah. Really sleek. I love it. So what would your advice be for young entrepreneurs? Uh, one is start with why. Why are they getting into what they're doing? Think about, you can make so much money doing almost anything these days. So if you're getting into something only for the fact of money, but you're not passionate about it, you might make money for a little bit. And I wouldn't think of that as... You know, I would put that as a side bet. Be like, okay, I can do this for a year and I can make some money. And then while I can do this, I can focus on something else that I'm actually passionate about. Because like I said before, if you, if you get into a career and it's only based on financial reasons, that the financial reasons are going to burn out. And if you're, once you start making money and that money and income becomes emotionless, one, if you have competitors out there who are actually passionate about it, they're going to smoke you and you're going to become less significant. You're going to burn out. You're not going to be able to stay consistent with your, your content, your ads. YouTube is exhausting. Even if you are passionate about it, it's a lot of work to stay consistent. So if you're not passionate about it and you're only doing it for the money, you're going to fail or you're going to be stuck in this situation. Like I was day trading for so long, doing it because I, one, was used to a life was, you know, keeping me afloat, being able to travel the world full time, doing whatever I wanted pretty much. And also then building a team who now I was responsible for. And even though, you know, I, I didn't want to have to keep doing things that they wanted me to do to keep them happy and keep the business afloat, which is why I also kind of came out publicly and saying, I'm retiring from day trading. I'm no longer doing this because one, I wanted my team to step up because that was also, they were, the company was basically ran off of me creating social media content on day trading, but I fucking hated doing that. And I hated day trading after doing it for 14 years because it was just all backed on, backed by financial reasons and not there, there's no more intrinsic motivation level. So I think the most important thing you can do is just think long-term instead of short-term about the financials. Think, do I love doing this? Because if you don't, you're going to be miserable in the yeah. long run. So Yeah, that's it. I love that. It's like you got to think, well, I, can I see myself doing this when I'm old and gray? Yeah. Right? Is there any point in this? And that's why I love the whole vision process. I teach it all the time. Yeah. I have that 10-year vision, that 20-year vision. And, you know, when you have that big picture, you start to understand what way and what direction the small pieces have to start going. And so often, you're right, like we get stuck in this, what I call the paper prison. 
Yeah. You know, we've made the money, the lifestyle that we've wanted. And then we realize like, but wait a minute, if I'm filling my day eight hours out of the day or 10 hours of the day, not doing what I like to then only enjoy a couple hours before I go to bed of what yeah. I like, what's the point? Yeah. You know, so yeah. yeah. As you get older, you, I mean, <laughs> if I was trying to tell myself this to my 17 year old self, I don't think I probably would have been listening. I think it's different. <laughs> I think it's different. Stubborn and ignorant. <laughs> yeah. I think it's different in this day and age. Like kind of one of the things that pushed me over the top was Gary Vee kind of calling people out on this whole fucking flexing lifestyle bullshit marketing thing. And because I was stuck in that cycle of like thinking, okay, to keep this company afloat, I had to continue portraying this image, even though it's not something I wanted to do anymore. And it was just like... I just didn't want to do it anymore. And that was like, I created this vlog called The Pursuit of Happiness is a Selfish Road. It was kind of like the first like real personal piece of content I put out without it being like, here I am at Pablo Escobar man Mansion in Colombia, like day trading. <laughs> this is how much I made today. Like this total lifestyle stuff, which works and sells, but it wasn't necessarily who I was as a person. And it's not something that I wanted to have to continue creating. Like Gary Vee's video on document versus create, he's like, more and more you create, the more and more you're gonna burn out because you're gonna have to fucking have this brain thing continually working and like, what else can we create? And it turned into this cycle of like, I need to buy a Maserati to post on Instagram. Then it's like, okay, now what? I'm gonna go buy this classic Camaro to post on. Now what? I'm gonna go buy this boat. And it just, this <laughs> it just cycle of like, yeah, yeah so yeah. it's just like getting stuck in that and creating a persona for your brand it can be detrimental to the longevity of it, I think, and also just to your mental health. Like I was depressed, just continually trying to portray this image as opposed to just documenting who I was as a person, what I was actually feeling and going through and having that authentic connection with my audience, which is when I kind of started shifting towards that. You know, like you said before, we were talking about the other trader, how polarizing he is. Um, and when I was kind of doing that similar kind of model, it was very polarizing. A lot of like we just were releasing a video tonight, uh, me reading all the mean comments on my viral video that I created. And so, uh, what was the viral video? Is it the, the Tyler Pez one? No, it's, uh, it's one that I posted two years ago. It's got like uh, one and a half million views on it. And so, but it's probably like 70% just fuck this guy comments. So, wow. <laughs> yeah. There you go. And so, You're gonna have rhino skin for Yeah, that but that video probably made me millions of dollars as well through the, the amount of leads that it created uh, for my, my company as well. So you can polarize your audience and get that, but I didn't want to polarize my audience in that way. And that's why I started my, rebranded everything under Iconic because I didn't want to portray something I'm not as far as my personality to make money. And I wanted to be looked at someone who is authentic, someone who is respected, someone that people look up to and is like, that person's an icon. And so that's what I kind of want to help people with, with Iconic Iconic Entrepreneurs, the program is an eight-week program. Basically, the first week is all about mindset, getting your shit together first before you even start your company. Because if you don't have your shit together, then you're going to get started on the wrong track. Years down the road, it's all going to come this, this implosion that eventually just uh, breaks you down, like where I ended up. So I want to help people not get to that situation. Oh, I love it. Yeah. yeah. Good, man. Starting from the inside out. Yeah. Beautiful. Now, do you have a framework or any actionable steps for our listeners 
that they can start implementing today in, in order to build a solid social media uh, account or following? Yeah, I think first and foremost is identify who your audience is because if you're trying to go too broad in your audience, one, you might get some leads, but they're probably gonna be poor leads. And the more and more you polarize, the more and more quality leads you're gonna get. So you really need to focus on cutting audiences in half. So it's like, okay, am I serving males or females? Only males, okay, then you just cut that in half. What is their age group? You just cut that in you know, another half. And then what is their actual interest? And then you just keep cutting down that in half and half and half until you get it can be as specific as possible so that all your content is based directly at what their problems are. So all you're trying to do when you're running a company and you're branding is identify your, your audience's problems and then convincing them that you have a solution that can actually truly transform their lives and help them with their problems. So that and then also get on YouTube is the number one place to be. If you want to get discovered, Instagram is tough, TikTok, I don't know anything about that. I haven't <laughs> gone down that path. Might be a gimmick. But, Who knows? Yeah, yeah, we'll see. But um, but yeah, I think uh, understanding your audience and uh, getting on YouTube is probably the top two things. And really, what what I teach people to do with my program it's an eight week course, basically eight courses within eight weeks on different topics. But on a broad scale, what that is is having three machines and systemizing the infrastructure of your business so that you're set up for success. So it's like, think of it, if you're in like a rural town in America and you're trying to become a bodybuilder, but the only restaurants around you are fast food, that's not a good infrastructure for your success. There was this interview I was watching with Dan Bilzerian and this guy was asking him, he's like, how do you get all these girls around you all the time? He's like, I designed my life that way. I set up the infrastructure so that I don't have to make that put any effort to make that happen. Yeah. And that's the exact same thing that I help people do with their business is set up the infrastructure designed and built for their success. And how I do that is by creating the three systems within their company. There's a content machine, which is a YouTube and Instagram strategy. And then there's a conversion machine, which is how to set up an automated webinar funnel for your info product or digital course. And then the nurture machine, which is the number one aspect of your and metric you should be measuring of your business is your customer success. Because while you can tell your story and over and over again, your audience is going to get sick of it. And if you really want to scale your company, you need to be telling your customer stories over your own because that's what really matters. We're not trying to be the hero. Yeah, we're inspirational, but we're trying to be people's mentors and their guides with your if you're selling a course. So people want to see what you've done for other people. So that's kind of like what we're doing with Iconic Traders now. It's now run by all, all my former students and I'm basically kind of exit myself out of it. I don't talk about day trading anymore. I don't day trade anymore and it's still going. And now we mostly leverage uh, Michael Spinoza's story who was one of my students who absolutely crushed it. Now he's the head mentor there and we leverage his story rather than mine. But obviously I was in the game for 14 years. A lot of people still associate me with the company and it's been interesting transitioning, especially on YouTube, uh, just going from day trading to entrepreneurship because you gotta still be have this balance and war with the algorithm when you, a lot of suggested videos are still coming from day trading, but I'm trying to transition out of that yeah. to the same following. So uh, you'll start shooting a lot of uh, entrepreneurial based yeah, videos now. <laughs> I gotta get to work. So it's just been uh, it's uh, 
yes, it's been a lot of work, but uh, I think it's all going to pay off and I can't wait to get this program out because uh, I think it's truly from the heart as yep. opposed to my day trading programs were from a bank account yeah, aspect, right. state of mind. Yeah, so, yeah, different feel. Yeah. I love uh, the framework, the create, convert, and nurture. Yeah. Yeah, it's such a great thing to focus on. Beautiful. Well, look, man, I, I love uh, all the advice that you've shared today. Thank you so much for showing up. Now, where can we find you online? Uh, you can find me on YouTube, youtube.com backslash Cameron Foos. That's F-O-U-S or Instagram.com backslash. I guess it's not. It is backslash Cameron.Foos. And then Iconic is I-K-N-K.com. It's not kink or ink. I-K-N-K. <laughs> Obviously, Iconic was taken, so uh, I had to come up with but I don't know what that's called. Acronym, synonym. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's acronym, like, yeah. yeah. No, I like it, man. I think it's uh, yeah. it, it's a good representation of how you brand yourself. And I think that's what people need to consider too. Like a, a full holistic view of how am I branding myself, putting yeah. myself out there? What do I want it to look like? What is the vision for it? Do people actually see where I'm heading? And uh, it looks like you've done that really well. So Yeah. Good stuff. It's been a tough transition, but I, I can't wait to really uh, get fired. Me and Norbert are getting ready to... We've been here for seven months now, and we're getting ready to go to Shanghai for a month, and we're going to Paris for a month. We have no idea where we're going to December, and we're going to South Africa for a month in January, maybe moving to LA in March. Hey, I have man. no idea. The world is your home. <laughs> yeah, right? Right? yeah. I love that. So Cameron, we end every interview with this last question. Yeah. And the question is, if you were to deliver your last 30-second speech oh my God. to the world, <laughs> What would that last 30 seconds sound like? <laughs> uh, damn. I would say one is that successful people aren't happy. Happy people are successful. And there's nothing more important and better for you in your own personal life is just be who you are. And don't try to worry about what other people think. Just speak from the heart and be who you are at all times.